All right, man, here we go. Pull-ups versus chin-ups. Not really, but that's going to be, you know, that'll be the clickbait title. The eternal question, which one is better? Which one's better. for suckers? Because mm -hmm. there's clearly a right answer to this one's question. One's smart and one's dumb. We want to make sure everyone does the smart one. Yeah, it's very important. And it's also very important that we take this concept and play it forward through all manner of uh, generalities mm -hmm. in, in exercise and nutrition is that once you've made your mind up about something, you just stick to that one thing and everything else is not worth pursuing. That's generally doing, the correct way to frame things. I'm doing the right stuff. You're doing the wrong stuff. Okay, That's right. Exactly. <laughs> but, exactly. Before I get ahead of myself, before we get there, there's something I hear all the time, which is basically, is there a good meaningful substitution for pull-ups if you don't mm. have a pull-up bar? Mm. You know, and, and if yeah. so, how can you train the pull-up to the best of your ability without a pull-up bar. And I will say, you know, there's a lot of stuff that you can do something else and get a really, a pretty darn good analog for it. But man, sure. if you can get yourself a pull-up bar, that there, there is, pull-ups are special. So get yourself one. But if yeah. not, we'll, we'll hopefully give you a couple ideas here. Yeah, we're going back in the memory banks a little bit here, Pat, but I, I do believe that the pull-up has been referred to as the squat of the upper body. <laughs> Is that right? Uh, like in, that. In, in the past. I, I'm pretty sure that I lifted that from an old CrossFit Journal article. And, uh, you know, I'll let the, the listener decide whether or not that's uh, hyperbole or if it's accurate. But <laughs> but I like I, the phrase. <laughs> yeah, I never met a pull-up I didn't like. I'm, I'm yeah, a huge right fan of pull-ups. I think they're fantastic. I agree. And yep. if, if you don't have a pull-up bar, um, I think there are several things that you can do. I've got a, sh I've got a short yeah. little list in no particular order. Um, you want to throw a couple, one or two out there, and I can see what you don't hit and throw some out there? Yeah, sure. I think that the uh, go-to that I would uh, assume if somebody says, hey, I don't have a place that I can hang and do pull-ups, the built-in assumption is that they do have something heavy-ish that they can hang on to. And so if that is the case, I think a bent-over row gets you a lot of mileage um, and it doesn't need to be a super stout you know max effort type of load i think you can get creative with uh, reps single arm versus two arm pausing at the top slow mm -hmm. on the way down like there's plenty of ways to cook that if your weight selection isn't optimal either but a bent over row is kind of the go-to if you can't hang but you do have something heavy lying around so i, I think that's the obvious starting point and you're not going to be shortchanged. I think that's the no. biggest thing. Is yeah. it none of the things we're going to say are probably going to be perfect solutions? Sure. But if you otherwise, they'd be the pull up. They would be the pull up, the squat <laughs> of the upper body. That's right. <laughs> if you're looking to just you know maintain your fitness, you know get in some great workouts, GBP, replicate the stimulus as best as possible, and this is an every now and then sort of thing. You'll be great. But let's let's run it all the way to the other end. It's yeah. not an every now and then sort of a thing. You're you're living in a small apartment in New York City. You don't have a door frame pull-up bar. You just got a set of dumbbells and your life revolves around getting better at bent over rows. You're still going to be a beast. Yep. <laughs> you know? You're going to be no question. you're going to be good to go. Now the question might come from somebody like, "Okay, gotcha. Thanks guys. Bent over row. Love it." Okay, so let's say that I'm going to do Fran in my small apartment and I've got a set of dumbbells or a barbell that I have to control it on the down, whatever it is. And I'm going to do my 21-15-9, got the thruster locked down, no worries. Now I'm going to do a bent over row in place of the pull-up. 
Should I just assume the 21-15-9 rep scheme with generally the same low? Do you have a sense of like of like a general recipe for that or guidance that you would give to somebody? Uh, I think it depends entirely on the load that they have access to. So if it, let's just say it was a one for one, they have a 95 pound barbell and they are capable of doing pull-ups and they're comfortable with that movement. I would say that that's probably going to be a little on the light side for the average, you know, man who is capable of doing multiple sets of high rep pull-ups. Mm-hmm. That 95 pounds is probably going to be a little on the light side for the bent over row at that rep scheme. So you might consider bumping it up. Now, I, I think doubling is probably overkill. Yeah. But I think yep. you could probably, you know, follow suit with uh, the Fran scheme and, you know, add an extra third on top. So it, 21 thrusters, 28 rows, mm-hmm. 15 thrusters, 20 rows, nine thrusters, 12 rows, something like that, I think could be appropriate. And maybe this is too wishy-washy, not scientific, right? But I mean, again, I still think it's going to get you to the finish line. If you've, if you've done this sort of a rep scheme before, and you know, are you the sort of person that you you knock out the 21 pull-ups. Like, you know, you have a fast, unbroken friend. You do the 21 pull-ups. You probably couldn't do much more, but you can get them. You suffer through the 15, you suffer through the nine. Or do you break up the set of 21 into seven, 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 because that's where you are? Well, if you're an unbroken hero and you've just got the 95-pound barbell or pair of 50-pound dumbbells for the bent-over row and at 21 or 25 or whatever, you're still feeling kind of froggy. Keep pushing absolutely, and, and, yeah. and just push and play it by ear until you yep. feel that level of muscular stamina going away and you and you can't catch your breath. And you're like, I feel like I would just just about have to put this down. I just about have to get off the pull up at the 21. And it's you did an oddball rep scheme. That's OK. And then play that game on the 15 and play that game on the nine. Yeah. You're going like to be good actually. to go. Uh, that's a that's actually a really fun experiment, and uh, hopefully this spurs some people to try these out. Because the one I just described, I'm like, ooh, that actually sounds pretty nasty. Like I'd give that a shot. Yeah. And uh, it, the one you just described, I think that could be really fun too. Twenty one fifteen nine thrusters between each set of thrusters do a max or near max <laughs> set of <laughs> bent over rows. Like that'll that'll get the job done. No yeah. question. You're not going to be short chase. So that's no. so that's a great one that you can do. Um, then I would say, you know, depending on what you've got going on, you know, there's something, you know, like, you know, those old school ab wheels. Yep. Like the actual wheel. And I, don't get me wrong. There's a tremendous amount of midline and abdominals involved in that. But but that hands overhead pulling mm-hmm. down, like there's a, a lot of lat engagement used there as well. And although not ideal, even if you didn't have one of those ab wheels, if you had your knees on some sort of surface that wouldn't slide, and I've done this like while traveling in a hotel room, probably looked like a lunatic if anyone saw me. And, you know, you get some tile and you get a washcloth or a towel and you put your hands on that little slide on the floor and you just go out and back with like straight mm-hmm. arms, really trying to work the lats. You can smoke your lats doing yeah. something like that with no pull up bar at all. You can also do that same uh, modification on a rowing seat. So you sit behind the rowing seat, oh, yeah. put your hands on it, and use that as the slide out and in. You just got to be careful where your chest may contact the rail. But that's a great way to do it, what you just described without that wheel. Oh, uh, yeah. I, side note, I love that wheel. That's been, um, you know, gymnasts and acrobats. That That is like a staple movement in a lot of their training. And uh, I still have one from, uh, man, I probably bought it almost 20 years ago. 
and I still have that thing, and I love it. It's uh, it's a Anytime great. Anytime you get your device. body planked out like that, mm-hmm. you're not getting weaker. You know, no. you're, you're yeah. getting stronger for sure. <laughs> you know what's a good old school like back in the day, um, like Schwarzenegger encyclopedia of bodybuilding uh, thing that I used to do back in those days that. I will still do on occasion if I find myself traveling and I need to do a pull up and and I just want a little bit of variance is the laying on a bench, the dumbbell lat pullover. Hmm. The old just, chest expander. Yeah. Yeah. The single arm and just, <laughs> it just pulling up, you know, to some degree, yep. it's, it's a similar motion to what we just described with the ab wheel, a little bit different, but, but similar as well. And I always, and maybe it's because I don't touch it that frequently, right? So it is a really nice dose of variance when I find myself having to do it. But I, it is all upper back and lats on that, like one to one hundred percent. You know, I got some triceps and chest in there, you know, for sure. But the lats are one hundred percent have shown up to the party, and they are working hard. So that's something you can do with just one dumbbell laying on the ground if that's all you have available. Fun fact about that workout, as I understand it, is it kind of fell out of favor because back in the you know fifties through the seventies, kind of golden era of bodybuilding that movement was really popular. And um, it was, you know, there's also a lot of hyperbole around bodybuilding and physical culture. A lot of, this might shock some people, but, you know, ever since there's been a fitness industry, there's been a lot of snake oil and uh, <laughs> and some <laughs> chicanery that goes along with it. Um, and that movement in particular was always kind of touted as uh, something that would expand your rib cage, like literally give you a larger rib cage. Oh, wow. So therefore your, you know, your whole torso would get larger Uh, and would give you a broader appearance and all this. And I think once it was kind of debunked, unfortunately people threw the baby out with the bathwater and said, well, the the movement's no good because it doesn't do this thing that people kind of purported it to. Interesting. Um, I didn't know that. Yeah, instead of taking the benefit. That's that's my understanding anyway. Okay. But hey, yeah. It's a good story. We'll run with it. I think I like yeah. it. Yeah. Um there's another one I have on the list, which is affectionately known as the BB five thousand. Oh, I love the BB five thousand. <laughs> so this is something that we came up oh, with yeah. for what in the world that we, not that we came up with, I shouldn't say that, but what did we use this for? Was it one of the on-ramp programs? Yeah, I believe it was one of the on-ramp programs. Uh, maybe one of the limited equipment ones uh, that we that we had. Um, okay. I can't but remember which one. Long story short, you know, it's it's what we used it in one of the VNR cycles we created. So great time. Go check to it out. Verynotram.com and check out all the cycles. But it was basically like, I want to get in some of our body pulling, don't have a pull-up bar, don't have ring rows. And it was just a length of, rope strapping you know whatever you happen to have that you could loop over anything which was sturdy and you could put a couple knots down at the end or just whatever you want and just fashion a couple things that you could hold on to and looped over something appropriately sturdy you've got a knot or the end of the the rope or the webbing in each hand and you just lean your body back like a ring row to whatever is a, a challenging angle of lean and row yourself away and and, and make a, a makeshift ring row and it's is not going to cost you very much at all. You could probably find something laying around that would do if it would support your weight and it will 100% work fantastic. Yep. Love that. In a similar vein, if you can't find a thing to drape your webbing over that's secure enough or you're not sure it's going to hold your weight uh, and you still have that heavy thing that you were rowing with, um, 
you know, one option is to tie your lengths of rope or webbing or whatever uh, through the center of a dumbbell or, you know, something else. Find a, a slidable surface, you know, again, like Pat's towel solution could work. Um, and do a hand over hand pull with that. Mm-hmm. Plant, plant your feet, get your torso horizontal to the floor and reach hand over hand and reel that thing in. Try not to use too much hip and leg if you really want to emphasize the upper body. And that can be a, a nice kind of replication of that pulling motion. You know, another pull that you could do if you're a city dweller, this might be challenging, but if you've got yourself a bit of acreage and some beautiful sturdy trees outside or whatnot and some rope living on property you got to have these sort of tools and apparatus (laughs) you could you know throw something up and over an appropriate branch tie something heavy to the other side sit yourself down on the ground and have just a hand over hand seated pulls to pulling that heavy object up into the air and you may have to play with what's a good distance what's a good loading you know to get in however many repetitions of pulling you want but then you're also unless you just let it go and let it drop back down to the ground you're gonna have to do a hand over hand under control to lower it back down to planet earth and that is not only going to be really useful but actually probably pretty darn fun as a matter of fact in the middle of a workout yeah for sure and and similarly i you know it's like the working man's lat pull down if Mm -hmm. you have a band that you use for stretching or uh, mobility work same thing maybe you have something that you can drape it over and um you know, find an appropriate level of tension and you can replicate that pull-up motion almost, almost exactly. Mm -hmm. Um, And so you could do that again, if you wanted to release some of the tension, you could do it from a standing position. If you wanted more tension, you could do it from a seated position. You can play around with what kind of the limits are with your equipment. And uh, I'm just looking at, you know, I'm sitting here in my garage and I do have a pull-up bar kind of right above me actually. But if I didn't, um, I have a garage overhead storage rack, and that would mm. serve perfectly as something that I could loop a band over and go to town on a lat pull down replication if I had to. So there's That's plenty cool. of ways that I think, yeah, that I think you could improvise something to secure your band to and, and get the job done. Now, this this last or second to last one that I have, and I hope this goes without saying for all of the recommendations we just gave, but this is the internet and you never know. (laughs) Use common sense and intelligence. (laughs) Be safe. Load test something before you start just swanging your body all around with it or whatnot. But, you know, there's, and I've seen people do this, I've done this myself, where if you have a sturdy, heavy bench or table or whatnot that, you know, you can slide under and pull and row yourself up to that you know, without flipping the darn thing over because it is well-made or heavy enough, like there's a way to do that. And somebody can sanity check me on this. I've heard that called uh, Australian pull-ups and I don't know why. <laughs> I don't I hope that's not offensive. Uh, it beats me. I've just heard that's what it's called. But uh, if, if there's a way that you can make that happen, you're just, you know, you're trying to replicate that ring row to some degree uh, to the best of, to the best that you can. And I have done that at a random Airbnb on a family vacation, because I will, I will actually admit, I don't think a lot of pieces of furniture work well to it. I think they say it no. a lot and it doesn't yeah. work well. And I actually remember being at this one place and I looked at this like just bomb proof, heavy, like dining room table, like for seating for like 10. I was like, oh my, this is it. This is the piece of furniture <laughs> I've always been hearing about. And it worked like a champ, but it was rare. So, you know, truth yeah. be told, it was rare. 
Yeah, kind of along those same lines, story time, you know, like martial artists and particularly jujitsu guys used to do, you know, rowing is a really popular exercise because you do so much pulling in the, in the sport. Um, and there was, at a, for a time, a really popular exercise, if you were on the road, was take your, your gi, your top that you train mm. in, and basically wrap it around a door frame. So you'd open up a door, uh, or I'm sorry, wrap it around the, uh, the door handle open up the door and wrap around both sides of the handle. Interesting. And then use that to lay back and pull yourself like a ring rope. Now, <laughs> great in theory, <laughs> but Sounds there are nice. plenty. <laughs> I think there are plenty of hotels that uh, are a couple of doorknobs uh, shorter and a couple of um, mm-hmm. you know, loose hinges uh, richer from that exercise. So, you know, use caution with that one, but it is it is possible. Oh, that's cool. And you know that yeah. That's so that's the last one that exhausts my list. I don't know if you have more yeah. options. Nope, that was it for me. That was the uh the bent over row was the big one. The um modified kind of lat pull down, or I had the same kind of idea of uh throwing something over mm. uh an elevated, you know, branch or, or whatever and hoisting it up and, and lowering it back down. Um the body blaster five thousand and the variations on that. Those that that was kind of my short list. Okay. All right. And all of these things are set up because we're trying to replicate a pull-up, an upper body pull. And so that kind of leads us into the second part of the conversation, which is there's the pull-up, there's the chin-up. You see one a whole heck of a lot more than you see the other in in most workouts. Is there a reason for that? Is there not a reason for that? So we'll dive into, into that. And for anyone who happens to maybe be unfamiliar, or they use the terms interchangeably, because that happens frequently also, <clears throat> for any way that your chin goes above the bar, they might call it a pull-up. But if you're just really like looking to be specific about it, the pull-up would be a double overhand grip and your a chin-up would be your palms facing you, a double underhand grip. So pull-ups, mm-hmm. palms away, double overhand. Chin-ups, palms facing you, double underhand grip. So do you have any sense? Uh, well, take it in the direction you want, either what leaps out at you as the differences or why do we see one more than the other? Well, I'll start by saying um, I gave up distinguishing between the two years ago. And part of it's kind of a troll for people that are so pedantic that they just can't help themselves. (laughs) And so one of my favorite things to finish with in a session, especially a group session with people that I don't get to work out with regularly, is like a conga line style strict pull-up ladder. I love finishing with that. It's one of my favorite do things remember, to do in a group. Do you remember, I don't know what we were doing there, but you and I and some other people did this one year at Rogue. Uh, I I don't remember that specific incident. Maybe instance, filming regional I, I workouts or something yeah. like that, but it was in it was in, I love the, it though. in Rogue's gym there. Okay. It's a fun and thing. It was, and it was and your it idea. You, yeah, it gives the eyes. To this day, it's one of my favorite things to do in a, in a mixed group is to finish with a pull-up ladder. But that being said, I'll say, okay, who's in for the pull-up ladder? And we'll start going through it. And I will switch grips every set, just for fun and whatever. And I'm always curious who's going to be the one that's, oh, I thought we said it was a pull-up ladder. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> and so, so anyway, I, I am personally, like I get it. I, it's not that I don't understand the distinction. It's that in my opinion, it's less important than people make it out to be. Um, and I think it's kind of a... Uh, like a remnant of this bodybuilding idea that, you know, one muscle group is going to be worked 
more ideally in one position than the other. And, and that may be true because you do have better leverage with certain musculature with one grip versus another, but I don't mm -hmm. think that necessarily means it's a better or worse exercise. Um, oh, and I, I agree. I think that the, uh, you know, we have these conversations about pull-ups all the time in CrossFit because of the, uh, the evil kipping pull-up that should never oh, be done. Yes. <laughs> yep. That one. Yeah. I know but, that one. Uh, but I think that conversation really illuminates the idea that like, Hey, if you are comfortable with that movement, it shouldn't matter so much. You should be able to do strict overhand, strict underhand, strict commando grip on kind of a, uh, horizontal mm -hmm. orientation, um, weighted kipping butterfly. Like your proficiency should not stop or start with one pet variation. Um, if you truly are well-developed with that movement pattern um, in the same way that, hey, you know, yeah, I expect you to have a good overhead squat, a good front squat, a good back squat. They should all be developing um, and, and you should be comfortable developing all of them. So I don't have a lot of distinction there. Uh, but what I will say is that in the beginning, for somebody who doesn't have pull-ups yet, I think the chin-up or the uh, underhanded variation is a great place to start because you do have a little bit more leverage uh, with the biceps and, mm -hmm. and you know the lats are going to get in there just a little bit more. Um, and so as a starting place to build the basic strength and the confidence to hoist your own body weight, I think it's an awesome gateway to other variations. And it shouldn't be looked down upon as like, well, it's easier so it doesn't count or other agreed. ridiculous ideas that people have about that. No, agreed. It's... um. I would say the two are far more similar than they are different. Yeah. Way more in common. And it's one of those deals where I don't care which one you're doing as long as you're doing one. If you're going from, you know, a full range of motion at the bottom to getting your chin over bar at the top, you are worlds ahead of most people who hasn't who haven't chosen to put such a great foundational body weight gymnastics movement into their training. So you're winning. Mm. But like you said as well. Yes, most people are probably going to find, you know, however you want to phrase it, more bicep recruitment in the chin up. And so that for some people might make that a, um, uh, a movement in which they feel more strong, more capable, you know, can do maybe a rep or two more. Or when the pull up starts to fatigue a bit, you can switch grips because I do that exact thing that you're doing. And I feel mm -hmm. like I can get back on the bar a little bit sooner by switching my grips and hitting myself a little bit different with the chin up compared to the pull up. Both are fantastic. I do both, and I don't sweat the terminology um, so much either, quite frankly. Yeah. Um, what I will say is, you know, you see one more than another for sure in workouts. I think most people are going to do their pull-ups with um, their palms facing away, you know, the, the over double overhand grip. And, you know, I don't know if I can say for certain as to as to why that is, but I will say if somebody put me on the spot and said that I could only do one for the rest of my life, I would most likely choose the pull up with the double overhand grip. And I think what would make me make that decision is it's transference to some other things. If we're going back to the real world of, you know, I've done a lot of obstacle courses in my life, a lot of surmounting of obstacles and things like that. And I've and every time I've done that, it's been with my hands in the same position that they would be during a pull-up to get my to pull my body up and over. And I've never run up to an object and just slap the back of my hands on it and hit it with, you know, a double, a double underhand grip. Um, so for transference, 
I would probably choose that, but luckily I don't live in a world that I have to choose just one or the other. Yeah, and I, you know, I'll play devil's advocate to that for a, for a second. Um, I I bet you're right in the sense that hey, you know, there's certain transference to <laughs> approaching something in a way that it's oriented towards you. You you're gonna put your palms on it to get over it. Sure, I'll give you that. But I would be willing to bet some some hard cash. That if you had somebody that was just an animal and all they ever did was the chin up underhand variation and they could crank out 25 strict and they could lift the house with a weight belt attached to them. And, you know, they were comfortable doing that. They could L sit in that grip variation for days. Um, I bet you that if they encountered something that required their hands in a different orientation, it would be a non-factor. Beyond a shadow of a doubt. I mean, you are still, like I said, way more similarities than than differences you are developing meaningful functional useful upper body pulling capacity yeah you know regardless of the orientation of your hands and i would actually say to give you know i don't know if i can prove this but my gut feeling from doing you know more than one workout in my life is i also feel that doing the chin up with the double overhand if you did actually want to play the transference game I think that's much more similar to what I experienced during a rope climb, you know, with my arms and this sort of orientation compared to the pull-up. So they're both fantastic. And like I say, luckily you don't have to just pick one compared to the other. You will also probably find just um, the pull-up or the chin-up, one lends themselves, there's a higher level of comfort depending upon the grip that you choose, you know? So if you're gonna go quite wide with your hands, it's going to feel better to do pull-ups versus chin-ups. You're going to have your palms away wide versus, you know, while you most certainly can do um, a pull-up with like your hands touching, it doesn't feel anywhere near as natural or as comfortable as if you rotate your hands and have your palms facing you. So a little bit of the, the grip that you like to choose, things might lend itself better to one or the other. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I would say too that the... Um... If you're somebody who's still developing the skill of pull-ups in whatever capacity, um, that as you move along that kind of trajectory, watch yourself and make sure that you're not defaulting just to one grip that that becomes comfortable to you. You know, once you get the confidence that you can do this movement, don't be afraid to branch out and explore some of those other grips. And and I think people, unfortunately, get really... Uh, a possessive uh, almost of their one pet way of doing something because that's where they know that they can be successful. And it really stifles a lot of opportunity for some cool things. Uh, and I think that's true even for people at a really high level. It's like, hey, okay, great. You're awesome on the bar. When's the last time you did a workout that called for pull-ups, but you did them on the rings instead? Mm-hmm. Like, Give that a shot. Yeah, it's probably going to slow you down a little bit. Yeah, it's going to take a little bit more coordination. Yes, you're going to have to figure that out on the first set. But you know what? It's going to be good for you to be exposed to that from time to time. Um, you know, I, I think that's one of those uh, easy, low-hanging fruit variations that people don't take enough advantage of. Yeah, and that's the, the interesting thing, too, is people should always feel authorized to make those decisions on their own as just yeah. sovereign autonomous creatures in charge of their own life, right? I mean, so yep. yeah, 2159 and you want to do Fran with ring pull-ups instead of pull-ups in the bar? Yes, it's going to affect the experience I'm here to tell you. And I don't <laughs> think you I don't think you'll get a lifetime PR. But that's also what I would encourage people is to don't get me wrong, PRs are cool. 
who doesn't love yeah. the PR, right? But you don't do the workout to get a PR. You do right. the workout because if you're actually not doing just random nonsensical crap, you're doing the workout because today is supposed to be an actual, a specific strength and conditioning goal that you have. And maybe it's developing your upper body pulling capacity is why there's pull-ups in there. And we'll, we'll now you switching that movement to a more challenging one that makes you a bit slower. Does it still accomplish the aim of the day's training? 100%. And so I would like people to just feel free, experiment with that stuff a bit more. Like do Fran with a pair of kettlebells. You probably won't get a lifetime PR, but you are achieving the desired goal of the well-thought-out workout and you're doing it in a cool, fun way that just hits a bit different. And variance is a wonderful thing. Yeah, and I'll say too, I think what you said at the tail end of that statement is undervalued by a lot of people. It's, it's fun. And I do think it's really important that over the years, you maintain that sense of play with your workouts. I mean, yeah, it's hard work. It's, it's going to be challenging. Um, but if you kind of stay curious about like, hey, you know, I've never done it this way before. Let's give it a shot. That can mm -hmm. really add just a, uh, an easy way for you to stay motivated to get back in the gym because you don't feel like you've got it all figured out. You don't feel like it's just this, uh, it's just drudgery. It's just barbells and running <laughs> every day or whatever. You, you have that sense of ah, there might be something that I haven't uh, discovered yet and, and it could be just one session away. I think it's important to preserve that, especially if longevity and staying in the game over the course of your life is, is part of the goal. All right, so here's the, the Adrian Bosman, Pat Sherwood, VNR fun challenge that I just oh, came up boy. with based upon this Can't wait. discussion right I here. I fully endorse it, Pat, no matter <laughs> so, what it is. <laughs> so somebody, somebody do this and then just you know, email it or let us know, like email it to support at BTWB or whatnot. Do Fran. Okay, in the fun way that we just described, a pair of kettlebells and ring pull-ups. 2159 yeah, double kettlebell thruster ring pull-up. Let us know, and I will do my very best to get that reposted on BTW's website. I'd be glad to put it on my Instagram. I'll put it somewhere like that would be really cool. Have some fun. Yeah. And uh, and if you knock that out in a quick time, you are a <laughs> scary athlete. Yeah, man, that's <laughs> that's a savage workout for you're, sure. You're yeah. a scary athlete. So yeah, that's uh, I think that's all I had on the pull-up chin-up debate. Not that it's yeah, debate. me too. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, hey, let us know what you think. You know, it's what's funny is it just popped into my mind. I've heard the same thing. I posted a workout a while ago. Well, it could be within like the last years, a bit ago, on my Instagram, and it was air squats and strict pull-ups, right? I mean, no barbells. How can you get fit, right? And I think the air, <laughs> I think the air squats went one hundred seventy-five fifty, and the pull-ups went twenty-five twenty-fifteen for strict pull-ups. And to keep myself going as quick as I can, and I, again, like I said, I posted a video of it. I switched back and forth between grips, and I remember somebody yeah. posted something like, yep. "Hey, man, I thought you said it was pull-ups." And it's like, <laughs> you like, just well, can't get away from it. What, <laughs> what can I say? I'm a big cheater. Yeah, big cheater. Didn't get didn't guilty. Get fit. Didn't get yep. fit. Uh, uh, so anyway, hopefully that helps everybody. If you've got a preference, you feel there's some things that we missed, let us know. We love these topics. If you've got more ideas or suggestions, post them there in the show notes or email them in if you want some anonymity or whatnot. And as always, we appreciate your support. For Adrian Bosman, I'm Pat Sherwood, and we'll see you next time.